1: Metabolic disease, aging, and microbial communities. So, Felipe, thanks for coming. Uh, tell me about your research.
2: Well, thank you, thank you, Richard, for the invitation. So, uh, so our lab is um, trying to understand really how the microbiome uh, interacts with host physiology. We really focus on the communication between these, uh, could call it, two uh, entities. Um, you know, and how what type of molecules that one produces to that influences the physiology of the other one. So in particular, our lab is also interested in understanding how that communication really changes when uh, both the host and the microbiome are really challenged by both dietary elements or the drugs that we take on a daily basis to treat disease. So it's really a very comprehensive view of, of the host uh, physiology that takes into account not only uh, it's microbes, but also environmental factors
1: so what have you discovered that's uh that's interesting about this interaction like you know when you're eating food, Absolutely. who eats first? is it uh back and forth you know like my my stomach will digest food a little bit and then you know microbes start working on it, and then they pass it back to me and back and forth like so, anything you you what- works.
2: Yeah, so we did a quite a, uh, a, what do we think, a very important discovery, uh, the two important discoveries, uh, one in the context of, of cancer drugs, actually, where uh, we understood uh, precisely the mechanism by which some of the commonly uh, classic drugs for colorectal cancer were being modified by, uh, by, by, by microbial metabolism, and that was actually amplifying or reducing the response of the drug to the host. And we saw that indeed uh, uh, certain components of food, uh, putting it in basic terms, uh, could uh, change uh, that response, that microbial response in their metabolism of these cancer drugs. Uh, And and, and two years later, um, we we made a a different type of discovery, again, in the context of of nutrition and and drugs. And in this case, uh, we were looking at uh, one of the most widely used uh, drugs called metformin, which is used to treat uh, type two diabetes, and we found that uh, so that this drug needs to impact on our microbial physiology to 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 have some of its positive effects on our physiology. And we discovered that nutrition could uh, regulate signaling pathways in these microbes uh, that the drug was needed to activate in the first place. So basically, we found that. At the core of the communication between the microbes and the host and the drug, bacteria could sense the nutritional environment and adapt its response depending on all these different elements. And we discovered really mechanistically uh, how this was happening and what were the molecules that were produced in this context that would then go on to communicate with the host and change its physiology. So I think those were kind of the two major um, discoveries that I would say... uh, are important to uh from our from our work
1: maybe when a, a new drug is being evaluated uh maybe the first step instead of like a mouse model uh or even just in vitro dishes, is to expose the drug to you know bacteria that show up in uh, in people's guts
2: absolutely see what the
1: bacteria transform it into first and then you know yes. try it in the mouse model
2: so I, it's, it's interesting now from ecology as as I think it's changing uh, in, in the last 20 years since this big discovery of the microbiome. And indeed, studying the microbiome can be done in, in many different ways. You can go from classical in vitro microbiological approaches. There's really excellent work from colleagues at the NBL where they do these massive high-throughput screens and really try to understand, as you say, almost in vitro, how microbes from the human gut microbiome react and respond uh, in vitro uh, to to challenge, when challenged with drugs or even dietary elements. Uh, We we pushed that a little bit further where we we include in our um, systems uh, a host, which is still amenable for high throughput screening, which is C. elegans. And really that gives us that extra layer of understanding between um, kind of more basic or uh, microbiology and, and. intermediate to a more complex system where you have a host that responds to those cues as well because a lot of the problem maybe with 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 just doing the the basic or more simple experimental work where we'll just look at whether a drug is being degraded or not we still don't know whether that degradation is physiologically relevant to change the host right and by having a sim- sometimes even a simple host like a fly or 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 sea elegans, or a, or a fish, you can get that extra response. And that gives us very good clues of whether, you know, a lot of that uh, work needs to be then pushed into a, a more complex m- uh, mouse model or even a pig model or even uh, eventually push it to, to human uh, studies. And let's not forget even all the well, computational work that can be done. In-
1: well, I mean, just like, let's say you could say the liver processes many substances, it can render stuff, you know, hemotoxic or, you know, kidney toxic, et cetera. I would think that uh, our microbiome is a huge modulator of everything we eat or medicines we take. And I don't think, I I don't see how that could be anything less than the, you know, a major thing that should really be evaluated. You know, maybe that's why maybe one of the main reasons why people have different responses to drugs is their microbiome at the time.
2: Yes. uh, So the the evidence is really there now that the microbiome really is an important component in, in modulating that response to, to a lot of the drugs that we take. And I think we're just really uh, surfacing the tip of the iceberg at this point. I think the more we, and, and, and I'll just to, to give you an example, it took us five years for each, you know, of work for each one of these studies for each one of these drugs. So to really fully understand the contribution of the different microbes and, and, and within those microbes, what are the mechanisms that, uh, that change that response, uh, you know, of, of, of humans or human cells to certain ther- therapeutics. So, so I think we can definitely, we cannot neglect the importance of the microbiome in regulating uh, drug response. But what, one thing that is very nice that we see now appearing a lot is these uh, pharmacokinetic models, computational models that take into account really microbial metabolism and host metabolism and do, do, already do a great job. In kind of trying to put together uh, these uh, potential, what's going on even in an in, in silico way, and then I think that's that's also something that can really complete uh, all the other research that is going on with either model organisms or even.
1: Well, when you study things like metformin, did you see that um, continual taking of metformin or other drugs changes the composition of the person's bacteria? Because it would, I would think, over time, it would attract. And enable more and more the growth and flourishing of the bacteria that specifically degrade or interact with metformin so they would predominate over time at least locally where it's first being digested and then change the whole community around them
2: yeah so that's so it's it's again each each one of these drugs seems to have a very kind of almost unique interaction with with gut microbes and and what we found with metformin again from not just from our work but from the work from a lot of uh, of other collaborators and, and and investigators in this area is that indeed metformin does add a big pressure on or, or selective pressure if you can put it this way on, on the type of, of gut microbes that exist during the the treatment itself one of the it's been known for a long time but one of the main side effects of, of metformin uh, administration is is indeed um, gastrointestinal um, alterations uh, and, and, and this really translates into, uh, in some patients, even some people need to stop the, the treatment. But in others, that, that longer lasting change in the microbiome seems to be uh, associated with its positive effects. And I, if I'm not mistaken, um, if people stop taking the drug, there is kind of a rebound effect where microbes tend to go back to maybe a, almost a previous state of, of microbial composition uh, to the treatment. So indeed, the, the the beauty of the microbiome is this kind of almost elastic uh, nature of it, where it, it it rebounds all the time and it changes and and adapts, and 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 the consequences of those adaptations can be either positive or negative. Uh, and that's really what a lot of the research is trying to understand.
1: Richard, what do you what do you think is a um, is a larger factor? You know, let's say for a uh, you know metformin, the bacteria that First, uh, work on it, uh, the metabolites that uh, they break it down into, or th- the metabolites that they produce that then yeah. uh, you know may affect the person.
2: I think the jury is still out on that one. Uh, I think the, for metformin, metformin can't be, at least we haven't identified a micro that can degrade metformin in the gut. So this, that happens to the great majority of drugs, and that's actually been known for a long time. Uh, but in the case of metformin, it's more, it's, almost selective um, pressure that it imposes uh, in, in, in the microbial community and then change certain changes in microbes and uh, seem to be responsible for these kind of knock-on effects on the host physiology. So that's one of the accepted views. The other view is more a metabolic role. The one that we, we, we were strongly uh, advocating for is that metformin per se is indeed pushing to certain uh, conditions, which of course allow some microbes to thrive. But it also imposes that on those microbes, a very strong metabolic change. And the consequence of that change is the production then of of interesting molecules, such as short-chain fatty acids or or certain polyamines that can really then go to regulate very actively host physiology and metabolism.
1: What um, Have you studied, for instance, let's say metformin? Have you figured out who in the gut, or what families or strains uh, work on it, and what metabolites they break it into, or what metabolites they give off, and then why administer that drug? What if um, you know I don't know a certain bacteria, E. coli, for some reason, you know, likes to work on metformin, and it produces uh, a certain compound when it does. Why not then try around where you just administer the compound that the bacteria creates to the mouse? instead of metformin, and cut out that one step? Has that ever even been contemplated? Or any, any thoughts there? What would that do?
2: Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Um, so we, we figured out, at least in one of our studies, that uh, that metabolic change induced by metformin, and E. coli seems to be one of those members. We don't know why specifically. I don't think anyone really knows why in, uh, in mouse or human studies of patients treated with metformin, E. coli or, and other proteobacteria seem to thrive and bloom when, when, oh, when those patients are under metformin treatment. That's It's still unclear what is the, the, the pressure that leads to that change. Uh, from a metabolic point of view, uh, and also from from both our experimental work and computational work, it really supports that uh, the activation of the signaling pathway that E. coli has and some other proteobacteria have allows them to adapt to metformin, and, and it activates this entire signaling and metabolic pathways that lead to the production of agmatine. So the reason why, and, and this is based on some of the data that we have, the reason sometimes why metformin seems to work better than giving the downstream metabolite is that if you just give the downstream metabolite to a native community of microbes, that metabolite can be degraded. But metformin instead puts the, Community and certain microbes to force them to produce and get rid of that molecule. So basically, actively producing it rather than degrading it. So it's really, I think, it's the drug itself puts the the microbiome into a catabolism mode rather than an an anabolism than a catabolism role. And I think that is the difference because if we just given the compound Agmatin directly, we can see that the effects are largely diminished by this ability or, or capa- metabolic capacity of the microbiome to degrade um, agmatine. But if you give inside just the drug, you activate an entire ecosystem to produce a molecule that is constantly being given to the host rather than being degraded, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, so you found that uh, it's, it's agmatine is what's created by the bacteria?
2: Yes. So that's one of the molecules that at least we have uh, a specific um, interest and focus. Uh, Of course, as a production, and we did that also uh, from our metabolic modeling, uh, and this is consistent with work from other colleagues, uh, short-chain fatty acids are also increased in their production uh, when metformin is administered. uh, And we see actually that for one of the metabolic products that are produced Concomitantly with, uh, with the production of agmatine, are not only discharging fatty acids, but interestingly, some of those gases, uh, which are actually known to be associated with some of the negative side effects of the drug, actually. Flatulence and some uh, discomfort uh, are through the production of gases. And we've seen that from our metabolic modeling that indeed, uh, when administered metformin, when you give metformin, the microbiome produces increased CO2. And, and other gases like hydrogen sulfide and that are gotcha. associated with have, the negative side.
1: Have you tried playing with the ratio of uh, metformin to agmatine? You know, what yeah. if you did half half and you gave it mm-hmm. to, a, you know, to a mouse?
2: It's a good point. We haven't gotten that. Uh, so the, the study was really finished at that. Well, at the moment it was finished at that point where we really made that, that discovery. And our, we're now trying to take this forward and really fully understand, uh, how much more can we explore that? But that is one thing we're envisaging. Yeah, absolutely. One, the other thing we're we're thinking is actually about providing more of the substrate uh, that produces agmatine. So to constantly uh, feed the metabolic machinery with the with the natural uh, uh, substrates that it needs to, to make this this specific product.
1: Well, in addition to the production of agmatine, are you seeing a reduction in the product of other? substances under short-chain fatty acids let's say or you know is the composition changing only in that way or is there something else that's uh, unable to be produced as much in favor of agmatine
2: uh that's a good point uh we haven't looked at it uh from that perspective i'm sure there's we did a metabolic analysis and, and indeed a lot of things change uh and we in order to, to get a good sense about what was important we had to do kind of a triangulation of a metabolic data together with some phenotypic data that we had. Um, but we, we saw certain, very strong decrees on, on, on a lot of, of glucolytic, um intermediates uh, on, on, in bacteria that are treated w- with metformin. Uh, we don't really understand um, why is that uh, and what is really the, 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 the relevance and the consequence of, of that to a host. So, so we know there are other things that are changing. We know specifically that certain uh, glycolytic intermediates are going down, uh, but what is the, the physiological consequence of that? We, we don't actually
1: know. make it even more interesting, does anyone understand the phage activity on E. coli or you know other bacteria that would would digest metformin, how does the phage activity change in the presence of metformin? You know, are there is there more phage activity? Is there less? Is there no idea different <laughs> phages that eat that bacteria? How do they change? It? You know?
2: That's uh, that's a good point. Uh, I I have to say uh, I don't think I have seen a study yet on uh, on on phage activity. In, in the context of metformin treatment uh, but i think it is definitely worth uh, a look into there's there's amazing uh, research coming out uh on on phages and, and phages and interaction with, with the microbiome uh, so i wouldn't be surprised that you know that they would also uh completely change their uh function and activity patterns uh depending on on drug treatment but i don't think it, I, I could be wrong about this, and I'm happy to be corrected. But i I'm, I, I I haven't seen anything yet. But uh, it's it's I'm bad to bad. I'm I sh- I'm sure there's something there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just I'm, you know the more I learn, and I'm sure the more you learn, the more complicated things are. So it's like, well, where do you start? You know, how do? It's funny. The uh, it, it, it makes me surprised that drugs work ever, because <laughs> you know, in a given process, there could be fifty steps. And how do you know that this one small molecule will affect the process positively? And then there's, you know, the bacteria inside you, their their metabolites and then there's the phage activity and the, you know, it's just it's Absolutely. craziness. Absolutely. How are we supposed to figure out what to do?
2: Yeah. I think that's one of the great challenges of this field. Uh, part of its beauty it's in, it lies also in its, its immense complexity. Uh, people always ask me, you know, what is the best approach? Is it a top down or a bottoms up approach? And I think, well, Ideally, you kind of want something in the middle, but the reality is we're dealing with, as you say, with such an incredible uh, and complex ecosystem that interacts uh, and changes and, and adapts. And we, we're still developing a lot of the tools you know, to fully understand how all these elements are working. We tend to focus on how these elements are working one by one. And, and I think what we, we did and our contribution so far has been really to develop systems that allow us to include more complexity into these studies. And that's why we did three-way uh, screens and four-way screens. And, but, but even that, a four-way screen, which takes into account the microbes, the host, the drugs, the, the nutrition, is still a, a very, you know, almost insignificant representation of, of the complexity that exists in, in, in the microbiome. Uh, and I think we have a lot to learn and I, you're absolutely right. Why, how things work, it's almost a mystery, but, and I think a clear example is, is the drug digoxin, right? Where if you have the wrong diet again with, with a one single wrong microbe, um, you, the drug just doesn't work on those patients while it works perfectly well on other patients. So it is quite remarkable how some drugs come to, to work, uh, effectively. But then it's, it's also not surprising that the nutrition rates for a lot of drugs uh, are, is, are incredibly high. And I guess it's just due to that uh, immense uh, you know complexity and, and lack of a full understanding of, of these complex ecosystems.
1: Well, if, if you were to just fantasize about it, what's, what's the ideal profile for, let's say, metformin? You know, but My thought would be you evaluate the microbiome of various people that would take it and you find a profile that's maybe the most successful. And then some people that take it that don't have that bacterial profile, maybe they also take a probiotic of the needed bacteria to make it perform better and a prebiotic to encourage those bacteria. Yeah. Maybe they also take a, you know, a phage therapy to, to cull the bacteria that they don't want, et cetera. Like in the digoxin yeah. example you gave, maybe, you know, someone takes a phage therapy to, to cull the, the bacteria that would, prevent it from working maybe these the right therapy looks like that kind of it needs all those elements to properly work
2: yeah it's it's a very good point this idea of you know microbial adjuvant um, therapies really Uh, and I think it's probably the way forward the more we understand the key requirements of certain microbes in order for certain drugs to work if even better or or as effectively as possible uh, we will start moving into kind of drug drug therapies that where we can promote the growth of certain microbes, or de, or delete or or edit out uh, certain microbes that impair or stop the uh, the functioning of that drug because of the lack or, or presence of a certain microbe, or just simply, as you say, by providing uh, live microbes that can support either the community or you know or the microbe itself is needed for. Or a drug therapy in the case of metformin. Again, I think there's a very clear, uh, there's cl- very clear evidence of the need of proteobacteria. E. coli seems to be often one of the most important microbes that comes from these human studies uh, and also from 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 studies from lower organisms. But um, but exactly, uh, we've done a bit of, of work which is unpublished that does support that need of, of, of specific microbes. Uh, even without the rest of the community, so indeed, just a drug-specific a microbe uh, and the host. But we we definitely need to do a lot more to to characterize because that doesn't really reflect the uh, the human context where the microbial community exists and it's immensely complex. So how do we how do we make that uh, almost how do we mimic that is 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 really uh, hard and, and and what are the elements that need to be into that. Complex cocktail is also a, a, diff, a, a very difficult and uh, question to answer.
1: Well, what have you learned about looking at uh, cancer drugs, and the metabolism of those, the microbiome in particulars?
2: So we we're looking at these fluoropyrimidines, which you know, we, the, it's true that cancer research and, and cancer therapy has evolved a lot in the, in the past fifty years. But the, the the hard reality is that even for 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 colorectal cancer. Uh, one of the most widely used drugs still uh, is um, 5-FU or capsidabine, um, which are these drugs that were developed um, almost 60 years ago. Uh, and people have known to some extent that you know these are pro-drugs, that they were designed in order to to protect the host cell, that they had to be activated by liver enzymes in order to, uh, to produce the active compound that then stops cellular division. Uh, but for some reason, people hadn't really um, delved too much into the, 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 the importance of microbial metabolism to that activation or even to in some of these fluoropyrimidines, uh, uh, the deactivation of these drugs. And, but now research from our lab and other labs are really showing that uh, the microbes have the ability to activate these drugs, changing their efficacy and all the work also shows that uh, sometimes microbes that exist in tumors, and there's a beautiful uh, study that came out in science showing really that there's a big community of microbes in tumors. And, and a lot of these microbes have the, the metabolic potent, uh, ability to, to, to transform and change uh, a lot of these uh, therapies um, and, and that can effectively uh, reduce uh, the efficacy of a lot of these drugs. And, and I think that's really a, a very exciting and important area of study for, for treating cancer.
1: Yeah, I just read that paper, and uh, I was amazed to see that the microbes are inside yeah. the tumor cells, not just adjacent to them or around mm-hmm. them, literally in them. So I wonder if a therapy could be made where you know we're able to understand uh, if we administer a certain drug that the, you know the bacteria inside tumor cells would metabolize that to like a cytotoxic material for those cells in particular.
2: Which yeah, really I think that's a I think people are thinking right, along those lines. They've been thinking about this for a little bit. And I think with the with the evidence of this study that we know now very clearly what are the microbes in different types of tumors. Um I think that makes that approach now even more realistic because we know maybe which microbes we can manipulate and which microbes we can maybe even use their own metabolic machinery to even design new drugs uh, that can be uh, activated specifically uh, by a type of of, of, of microbe that can uh, that can create a uh, really a, this almost synthetic lethality that can kill um, can kill specifically cancers.
1: Uh, so, what what big questions do you hope to answer uh, in the near future, the next couple of years, with your work?
2: So, we're trying to understand uh, why. Uh, So one of the areas of research that people don't, um, is, I think starting to grow a lot is really the importance of, of, of strains. There's a big focus, of course, in in species um, uh, and and understanding why species of microbes are more or less important. But we, we know that actually uh, the genetic variability that exists between organisms strains from the same species is is quite immense. Uh, So and that kind of uh but we don't fully we we tend to just focus on on one type strain for for each one of these species and and make big sweeping generalizations, but the reality is um the the different the genomic difference that exists in in in, in strains of different species can completely change almost uh as much as different uh, species as differences between different species. So we're really trying to understand is what is the role uh, and what matters. Uh, what is the genetic backbone that really matters for a specific species in order for it to have a uh, a role on regulating those physiology and trying to understand how. So exploring as much as possible this genetic diversity that exists within uh, within uh, strains of the same species because. The metabolites that are produced in one context uh, by one microbe are completely different by uh, a different member or a different strain from from the same species. So we're really, trying to explore kind of that genetic diversity that exists within species, rather than uh, so that's another level, right, of complexity that people don't tend to almost tend to ignore because it becomes almost too complex.
1: Yeah, right. In the context of depending on the bacteria that are around a given one they may produce different metabolites and act differently. So that makes it even, even more complicated.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and that's really, try, uh, you're, you're completely right. So the, the, the strains on their own will produce, based on the genetic, immense genetic diversity, will produce many different things. And they will change what they produce depending on the community that surrounds them. And, and that's really the, trying fully understanding that I think will be essential to, uh, to translate key discoveries from the microbiome uh, to, to, uh, to humans.
1: It sounds like personalized medicine is going to be a, a requirement. You know, let's say you have, you know, God forbid if someone has colorectal cancer, it's foolish to just give them a drug. It seems far better to, you know, shotgun sequence their microbiome, see what's there, you know, have at least some idea of how that will interact, with, you know, them personally with the drug then give them not just a drug, or maybe an alternative drug, but you know again, prebiotics, probiotics, et cetera, so that the drug actually works for them and it makes sense why based on their particular microbiome.
2: I think so. I think they w- we tend to use the brute force approach, of course, and I think it, it, most of it, it's, it's linked to costs, right? Um, and and we go with stats. We know that the drug is going to work to forty percent of the patients, and you know you, you always try that approach first. But I think with time, as sequencing costs go down and our understanding of the biology improves, I think we will be able um, to 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 really use personalized medicine in in the in the proper sense of the of, of the words, right? Because uh, and it really came from changing our perspective of of what the host really is. And, and, and this idea that just understanding our genes was sufficient for adequate personalized medicine has proven to be quite not quite what people wanted or, or expected. And I think including uh, a, a more comprehensive view, which will include uh, information from the microbiome, but also dietary information uh, will really uh, can really change uh, the efficacy of drugs. And I think, uh, I think really that is the, the way forward. I think we also need really to, to remember how strongly diet uh, regulates uh, many of the, uh, of the f- many, if not all of the physiological features uh, of the of host.
1: Well, very good. Felipe, what, what's the best way for people to find out more about your lab's work?
2: So we do have, uh, we have our website. Um, we have a Twitter account. I'm not a big I'm not very good at twitter, <laughs> but i I try to tweet a couple of things and uh, at least yeah. work and studies and um we have the the website that we try to, to 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 update um and our publications really um I do some some public engagement um in in the u k if you're in the u k um, you can sometimes follow me on that um and that's i would say it's pretty much that. <laughs>
1: very good Felipe this was a good call and I appreciate you coming on the podcast
2: well thank you very much Richard for for the invitation it's been a pleasure it's been a great uh, discussion actually so thank you very much
0: if you like this podcast please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes you've been listening to the finding genius podcast with Richard Jacobs